0: Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please do take a seat. Well, last Sunday, um, I said that we were starting a new sermon series for much of this term on holiness. So in addition to speaking um, about Trinity Sunday last week, um, I shared with you some uh, initial thoughts about holiness, the inner life that lies behind our largely outer life of discipleship, of following Jesus. I suggested then that there are two principal understandings of holiness. The first understanding, uh, perhaps especially in the context of the Old Testament, signifies being set apart, being separate or other. We think perhaps of the nature of the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence dwelt amongst the wandering nation of Israel and of the instructions given to them through Moses for the ways in which the various areas of the tabernacle closer to where the ark was located were progressively restricted to fewer and fewer people, and ultimately only to the high priest. This, of course, was also reflected after the people of Israel had settled in the Promised Land, in the architectural layout of Solomon's temple, in which uh, the outer courts led to inner courts and ultimately to the most holy place, where once again the ark and the presence of the Lord was found. The second understanding of holiness that I spoke about last week uh, refers to the purity of that we can attain through allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, through opening ourselves to the presence of Jesus Christ, God in us, God with us, day in, day out. In doing so, our uh, closeness to him and relationship with him causes our lives increasingly to take on his shape, a shape that's in the likeness of God the likeness of the Holy One. And so today, I want us to spend some time reflecting in greater depth on this Holy One, on the holiness of God. So why does this matter, you may well ask? Why is it so important to our Christian faith, especially when it's through the person of Jesus Christ, God with us, not set apart from us that we see God revealed and through whom we're able to be reconciled with God well I think a very good place to start when we consider this is with the Lord's prayer the prayer that Jesus gave us with which to speak to God and hear from God there's a very definite sense, uh, if I may put it this way, of priority within the words and the structure of the Lord's Prayer. The most important concepts and declarations of our faith uh, for us as Christians to acknowledge and for uh, which, indeed we pray, they come earliest in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. You're like a parent. Indeed, you are the most perfect of parents to each one of us, Lord. Who art in heaven? You reign in heaven, Lord, sovereign over all creation, both heaven and earth. Hallowed be thy name. May your name be hallowed. May it be holy. May your name and your person be acknowledged by all humanity, all of creation as holy. And of course, thy kingdom come, as we have prayed recently. May the world we inhabit be broken into by the rule and the reign of this same God the Father. May it be transformed into his image, into his way of being, and therefore may we be transformed into his image and his way of being too. In these 13 words, we have the essence not only of the one prayer that we need for all of creation, but we also see why we need to understand the holiness of God, I believe. As the Lord declares uh, in Leviticus chapter 11... Be holy, for I am holy. So, if each one of us is to follow our Father's command to be holy as He is holy, we first have to understand of what His holiness consists. Let's turn to today's Old Testament reading from uh, Isaiah chapter 6. We don't know uh, for definite why Isaiah uh, has come to Solomon's temple in this reading, but there he is confronted by a divine and awesome vision. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Lord... The Lord God, enthroned, surrounded by seraphim, fills the temple. His might and his glory are all encompassing. This vision is an image of awe, of majesty, of authority. It is utterly other. But more than this, in the cries of the seraphim, the Lord God is three times holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holiness is the only attribute of God that is given to him in the Bible these three times. God is never referred to as love, 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 or wise, 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 or just, just, just. He is only ever holy, holy, holy. Isaiah presumably resigns himself in terror to being struck down. We know from the story of Moses that none could see the Lord face to face and live. But directly and through the seraphim, God responds unexpectedly to Isaiah. In awesome gentleness, as the seraphim touches Isaiah's lips with his burning coal. In forgiveness, as the seraphim declares, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And in relationship, as the Lord himself asks of Isaiah, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Elsewhere in the book of Isaiah, the Lord is described as the Holy One of Israel Yes, God is absolutely holy, but his holiness is in his title and in his action, holy in relation to those who follow him and call him Lord. In the words of the Old Testament scholar John Goldingay, the separate one becomes the attracted one. Holiness is not only a description of how God is, but it also expresses the way in which he relates to us, just as, indeed, the three persons of the Trinity relate to one another. God's holiness sits above every one of his other characteristics, such that everything that God does, each way in which he relates to all of creation including to each one of us, is governed by his overriding and absolute holiness. We see the human contrast to this absoluteness of God in our Gospel reading from Luke 18. It's full of irony as Jesus responds to the rich young young man's acclamation of him as good teacher with the statement why do you call me good no one is good except God alone of course we know as we read this of Christ's divinity whereas the rich young man of course did not but he also approaches Jesus from the wrong angle from the human perspective no matter how good in human terms the rich young man is, uh, as he uh, himself rather arrogantly declares, he falls far, far short of God's standard. The standard God asks of each one of us. Before the absolute holiness, the absolute goodness of God, it's only ever the absolute holiness and goodness of God that can stand. But the good news for each one of us is also that before the absolute holiness of the Father, it can only ever be the absolute holiness of the Son that stands. And Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross and standing before God in our place, has already done precisely this for us, for each one of you and for me. We don't get away completely scot-free, however. Just because Jesus stands in our place before the Father, that doesn't give us license to do whatever we want in this life. Indeed, as I said earlier, The Lord declares, be holy, for I am holy. So next week, as we continue with this series on holiness, we'll start to look at precisely what this being holy, because the Lord is holy, involves. In the meantime, let us pray together. Father God, we thank you for revealing to us your holiness as you have related to those who follow you throughout salvation history and ultimately and perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. We pray that through the work of your spirit in us, we may daily become more holy as you yourself are holy. In your mighty and glorious name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Will you please stand as we share our beliefs,